2: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024.
1: Three, two, one. That seems off, but I guess they make it work,
4: right? (laughs) They make it work. (laughs) Are you recording? Yes, we're recording. I'm recording.
1: All right. Well, uh, are you by yourself, of course? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I guess I should do a regular intro, even though I think we should leave that uh, part in because it's fun and behind the scenes. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey everyone, welcome to Movie Crush, Friday interview editions, and if you heard uh, a nice lady speaking on the other end of the mic, that is Miranda Hawkins, who you don't know yet, but you soon will.
4: <laughs> hi! <laughs> Say
1: hi! <laughs> <laughs> So, Miranda is uh, a – what are the official titles these days? I don't even know. I know you're a producer.
4: I'm a producer. Um, I still keep the title as journalist because some of the shows I've worked on still require some of those skills. So, I still say I'm a journalist and a producer.
1: Oh, cool. Very nice. Um, So, Miranda came to our network – jeez, it's been a while now, hasn't it?
4: Uh two and a half years now. What? Yeah. Are you serious? I know. I know. The other day I was like, oh my goodness, because I started right around my birthday. So that's like, you know, every birthday I have, I'm like, that's a two year mark. And we've moved past that by a few months.
1: We're in the post birthday mode.
4: Post birthday mode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, you came to us though, kind of at a, it wasn't a weird time, but it was you and like, I feel like four or five other people that were brought in all at once and then sort of sequestered on this team that didn't um, have a lot to do with kind of everything else. You were all working on your own stuff uh, with uh, one of the, the gentlemen who used to kind of run our network. Yeah, I'm trying to say this all in the right way.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think you're doing a pretty good job. Uh, basically, we all came from different backgrounds, and uh-huh. I think only one of us had previous experience with making a podcast. And so we were all essentially thrown to the wolves and making this very big podcast. It's like, okay, here you go. And you have four months to do this. And we're all like, okay. <laughs> um, but and that was Atlanta
1: monster, right?
4: <laughs> uh, no, it was a second one. It was monster, the Zodiac killer.
1: Oh, uh, Okay. Yeah. All right.
4: But three of us came from journalism backgrounds. And one of us came from more of a music engineering background. So yeah, it was it was a lot. It was a lot of fun, but it was definitely figuring it out as we went.
1: Well, the weird thing is, is that we've worked together for two and a half years and I don't even know you that well. So this will be great for everyone because I can get to know you as the listeners do. Which one were you? Were you music background or journalism?
4: Journalism. My background is actually investigative journalism. That's what I really wanted to do. But I had actually quit being, not quit being a reporter, but I had moved over into a different position. So I moved over into the position of working on a arts and culture program here in Atlanta. And I was a producer uh-huh. for that when I came over here. Um, so, yeah, it was a little bit of a bit of a wayward stray over here. But, yeah, and that's – yeah. yeah. Um, so that's my background for the most part. Where,
1: where did you – do you move to Atlanta from somewhere?
4: No, I've been in Atlanta. I've been in Atlanta for 10 years. I've been inside the perimeter for six now. I went to Georgia State. That's where I graduated okay. from. Yeah, and I graduated with a journalism degree – but i worked at WABE which is one of the NPR oh, yeah. affiliates and i was there f- i was there 6 months after graduating and i was there for two and a half years before i came over here so that's cool yeah. um where are you from Originally Richmond, well not Richmond, I was born in Richmond, originally Fredericksburg, Virginia. So I was up there for 15 years and then my mom moved me down to Rabin County, Georgia, if anyone knows where that is. It's in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) I I know where it is. Yeah. Okay, well you know, but most people don't. I normally have to, um, if basically for those who don't, it is the north, the northeastern corner of Georgia. It is 12 miles from the border of North and South Carolina. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, it. well, it's lovely to visit, not to move a 15-year-old with nothing to do. <laughs> no, 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 I hear you. <laughs> yeah.
1: I hear you. Um, it, just so everyone knows what's going on in real time, too, I think this will come out probably next Friday. But as we are recording right now, it is... Um, just to gauge our mood, it is the day after uh, the the Georgia Senate election, so I'm a little tired. I'm a little hungover. I am flying high, uh, and right now it is literally one fifteen when you know Congress has convened to certify or not certify. Um, I know that's it's not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> to, to certify uh, to certify Biden's win. So it's just a big day.
4: It's a huge day. I feel like that's all anyone, you know, that's all what's on our minds, and especially Georgia. Like, we've had so much riding on Georgia. Like, I never expected us to be the battleground this election season. And, I
1: know. I thought it was we were one early is what I thought.
4: Yeah. And honestly, like, while I'm definitely one of those people who has, like, posted every day, like, vote, you need to make sure to vote, and, like, posting mm. all my voting selfies, I'm also very tired of all of the, hi, Winifred, have you voted today? Like I know.
1: <laughs> I did phone banking, too. I was one of those people. But uh, I am ready to get past this. Yes. I'm ready to not get texts. Um, They got Emily and I, my wife, switched out somehow because I'm getting messages and texts to Emily on my phone. Not sure how that happened. Uh, But yeah, I'm ready for that to stop.
4: Yeah, I've been (laughs) Winifred this whole time. So that's been my like, I guess my alter ego is Winifred now.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh.
4: <laughs> and I just haven't, I'm, yeah, I'm fine with this.
1: I'm, that might have to be your new nickname. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you working on these days? Anything that you can talk about or plug?
4: Um, so I'm working on all of Aaron Manke's shows. Uh, if okay. you've heard of American Shadows, that's one of the shows I work on with Lauren Vogelbaum, who is uh-huh. absolutely amazing. It's really sure, nice Lauren's because I haven't got to work with another woman, really, as far as, like, a host or producer. I'm Mm -hmm. pretty much on a male-dominant team. Um, And then, uh, let's see, we're working on the second season of Strange Arrivals, which, yes, is, like, all about aliens and things like that. Um, And I work with Toby Ball on that. He's a host of that, and he's absolutely lovely. And then there's a few other things I can't really talk about that are, like, pre-pre-pre-production, but working on some scripts there. And we have a lot coming down the pipeline, but... There's going to be a lot more, like, as this year unfolds, you'll hear about a lot more, but at the moment, it's all pre production stuff or behind the scenes. So,
1: that's awesome. I mean, do you like the job? Have you taken to it?
4: I have. It's, I love it because there's so much more creativity involved that I never uh-huh. expected. So, one of my things is I loved being a reporter, it's all I wanted to do. And, I I got that, right? I got that right out of college. I you know. Mm. I was living my dream job. Um unfortunately, sometimes dream jobs don't pay you a living wage. Yeah. So, <laughs> sure. I was like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> um I'd also Tub be able- <laughs>
1: reporter. No no good. Yeah.
4: <laughs> um I mean, I would go back one day maybe, but not right now. But it's also like There's only so much creativity you can have with it because, like, you're reporting. And then I moved to producing for uh, City Lights with Lois Reitzes, and I love that too, but it was still kind of reporting. Yeah, I worked with Lois. She's great. She's amazing. And I was only with her for a few months before I ended up getting this position. But with this one, it's like you can take the reporting and, like, the hard facts, um, and in that aspect, you can still have more creativity with storytelling and how you tell it because you don't have to have, like – the big thing up front with your first sentence right you can right. you know you can lead it make it a bit more storytelling yeah, but there's yeah. also creativity in sound design i worked on 13 days of halloween that 3d show that came out uh, last year oh, cool. yeah and i had never in my life would have imagined me working on something that was like Ambio, trying to figure out, like, does it, you know, is it coming from the left or the right, like, far away, um, you know, close up and, like, how to make those sounds work. But the creativity that goes within that was a oh, lot Oh, the 3D learned. audio thing? Yes.
1: Wow, that is so cool. I mean, is that the future or is that just going to be sort of, like, 3D movies and, like, a part of the future?
4: I think it'll be more of a part of the future because mm. realistically it doesn't work for everything. If you really want it to work, it's, I don't know, there are certain elements that you need to make it really sound the way you want it to sound. Like you can't just throw it into everything. It's just not going to work that way. So um, it works best when like when the listener is central and things are moving around the listener more so than like walking steps this way or walking that way. It just doesn't work the same.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess tell everyone what that is, because I'm sure a lot of people haven't listened to anything uh, in the 3D audio space. So just sort of what's the overview there?
4: So the overview is imagine that you're sitting on a park bench and your eyes are closed and you're just kind of hearing the sounds around you, right? Like kids playing in the background, maybe to your left, and it sounds far away. You can hear the wind, like, rustling through the leaves. And while it's, like, circling all around you, maybe you hear, like, the couple of leaves on the sidewalk right in front of you. So it's it's putting mm. those things into um, spatial, like, from the listener, like, spatially where it is from you to make it sound like you're actually there. It's a lot of space and, like, different sounds. Or, like, if you're inside, imagine... I had never thought about this before, but, like, at this moment, me talking to you, I'm sitting in a boxed room that's a whole bunch of panels to try to, you know, keep the sound in and keep other sounds out. Mm -hmm. So it sounds different than if you're walking down a concrete uh, hallway. And those are the things you have to take into consideration when you're making 3D audio. Is like, you know, what does it sound like spatially? What are, like the area sounds, that kind of thing.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, it was That's very cool. It was
4: a lot. It was a lot of work, honestly. I, I feel bet. like all of us were, it was a major learning curve for the entire team.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. That's really, really cool. But it sounds like kind of something that once you get the hang of it, it the the pace might pick up.
4: Absolutely. I really, I believe we're going to do another season. I would love to do another season because now that we've done it and I feel like we got more of a hang on it, like it would it would go a lot faster and we could do a bit more with it.
1: That's awesome. Um, Another cool thing about our job is we uh, have always been given a bunch of freedom to create stuff on our own and pitch and uh, producers coming up with their own shows. Do you have you have a nice voice? Do you have any aims to, to host and do your own thing?
4: I do. I absolutely do. It's more finding something that I really have the passion, and the drive behind. I have a couple yeah. ideas. I just haven't had a lot of time to sit and develop right. them. That's um, the rub. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, right? Because you have, you have so many other things going on. Um, but it is something that is kind of in the background on a constant basis that I have a little setup at home as well. And, and um, when I have time, I sit and I visit those ideas and try to, I don't know, try to bring them more to fruition. So one of these days, hopefully soon. But other than That's that, cool. I'm, I'm good with visiting like with you and, you know, working um, on sound design and things of that nature. Actually, right. do you want to hear something kind of funny? Yes. I never wanted to be in audio <laughs> Really? Never. I like swore up and down. I would never be in audio. I wanted to be a writer, strictly writing. I wanted to like write for that a newspaper. Me. Yep. And then I ended up getting an internship at ABE. And then it turned out I write really well for the year. And then uh-huh. I ended up getting um, a contract position with them. And then next thing I know, I'm here. And I'm like, I never would imagine this. <laughs> <laughs> and now my job well, is all audio.
1: Yeah, it's a good network to be on, I think. I think there's a lot of opportunity Um And I think having, like, a solid writing background, I mean, that helps in every job. I I was an English major, and everyone was like, what are you going to do, teach? And I was like, well, maybe, but it's also really good to be a good writer. I mean, that helps in in any job you could have, is to be able to write something, even if it's just good email correspondence with colleagues. Like, it stands out if you're a good writer, I think.
4: Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I mean, writing's definitely a, a great skill to have, no matter what, no matter what you do, so... Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, before we jump into silver linings, I think maybe let's hear like two personal things about you that might inform who you are. So everyone can know who Miranda is as we dive into this movie. Uh, Up to you. They could be silly. um, Or serious.
4: Silly or serious. Well, hold on. I have to think about this real quick. I guess one thing is I love my dog, but we fight a lot. He's a chihuahua corgi man. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> he's Let's a, hear about the dog. What kind of dog? He's
4: a chihuahua-corgi mix.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah,
4: gotcha. and that's a big personality and a little, like, 12, 13-pound animal. But, like, uh-huh. <laughs> it's funny because when I got him, I was like, you know how they say dogs and owners mimic each other? And uh-huh. he would do certain things. I'd be like, Bro, I know I'm extra, but I'm not that extra. And then as time has gone on, <laughs> and then as time has gone on, sometimes I put my head in my hands and I'm like, Oh God, I am that extra.
1: <laughs> is is bro his name?
4: No, it's Frankie with two E's. It's what? Frankie, but with two spelled with two E's. Sometimes in Frankenfurter or Franks or Frankenstein. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, all the nicknames. All
4: the nicknames he has to no, have. No, that's them great.
1: All. I had a friend who had a dog named Bro. That's why I asked. Oh, did I you? I thought it re- would be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Come here, Bro. Uh, and what else? You got one other one.
4: Um, the first. Time- <laughs> I know
1: something. But go ahead.
4: The first time I ever cooked a pizza in the oven. I read the directions thoroughly. And I'm one of those people, if it's the first time I do something, like I go line by line, I need someone to tell me exactly how to do it. And I read them yeah. exactly the way it said to do. And I put the pizza in the oven. And at the time, I was in a short stint living at home for about two months um, moving places. Mm -hmm. And next thing I know, I hear my mom yell my name, Miranda Lee. My middle name's Lee. And I was like, what? And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm cooking a pizza. And she goes, you don't put it in there with the cardboard.
1: (laughs) I did that once.
4: And I was like, I put it in there with the cardboard because I thought the pizza was going to melt through the cracks.
1: (laughs) No, I did that once by accident. Okay. Uh, Yeah. That's pretty good. Okay, well, <laughs> well, yeah. We have something in common. Miranda Lee Hawkins, you sound like a country singer.
4: Oh, dear, I know. Definitely not, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> uh, the other thing I was going to say I know about you, because we're Facebook friends, um, is that you roller skate.
4: Oh, yeah. That is my newest and most loved passion. I am so out So that's the quads. thing now again, right? Yes, it is definitely the thing. Roller skating has just, like... Wow. There's been like such an upswing. Everyone's doing it because like COVID happened and everyone was like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. So like it's great because it's outside, you know, and you can skate with other folks and everyone wears our masks and, you know, and there's just so much. But yeah, I picked up quad skating specifically. So I've been doing jam skating and working on a little bit of um, aggressive skating, which is like the ramps and such. Uh Um, And then I've started to do trail skating, which is really good at building up muscle to do the other types of skating. So
1: So fun. I
4: love it. I see
1: those pictures (laughs) in the videos, and I'm just like, I want to get out there with Miranda – Oh, and, and and break legs. Come
4: on, come on, you can do it. I, honestly, anytime anyone's like, I want to do it, I'm like, come on, I'm ready. Anytime you're ready. That's
1: great. That's <laughs> so cool. I love it when, a, when an old thing becomes new again and people like bring these fads back in style. And it's good exercise and oh, yeah. I'm sure empowering and fun and all that good stuff.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: It's Good for the brain, too. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card.
1: Uh, All right, so you picked Silver Linings Playbook. Yes. uh, The great, great, great movie from uh, 2012 from writer-director David O. Russell, uh, one of my favorite directors, a member of uh, what I call the 100% Club. Uh, He's never made a bad movie. And um, he's in rare company, as as directors go. Uh, I think every single one of his movies has been great. But um, this was based on the 2008 novel from Matthew Quick, Uh, The Silver Linings Playbook, which I didn't know much about until I read up on it today. Um, A lot of big differences from the movie. I'm not sure how much you know about the book.
4: Honestly, so I did a little bit of research myself. I didn't really know that there was a book I should have because most of the time a movie like this comes from a book directly. Um, But no, I wasn't aware that there was a book. So I looked over some quotes and the quotes seemed to be different, but I'm not sure of the differences themselves. I just fell in love with the movie and I was good with that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I kind of want to read the book now, but it was um, like in the book, the dance competition was sort of earlier. And a lot of stuff follows and like um, new characters in the movie that weren't in the book at all. The football thing is played up in the movie, which wasn't as big a deal in the book. Um, he has, uh, I think, just suffered from traumatic brain injury in the book and not um, they didn't specify any kind of specific mental illness. Whereas the movie really leans into uh, in a in a way that I think is really, really great uh, bipolar disorder. And um There was another couple of things, too. I think he traveled away somewhere in the book and came back and just, you know, like books, it's always like a lot more going on. But I think David O. Russell really like hit on something with basing this movie. It's sort of a movie about mental illness and not just with Brad Cooper, but. With Jennifer Lawrence and with his father and like all the characters, his best friend, uh, everyone seems to be, uh, if not suffering from some kind of real mental illness, just suffering in some kind of way in their head.
4: No, I 100% agree with that. That's one of the reasons I love it so much is because I feel like it's one of the most accurate portrayals of mental illness with Bradley Cooper, um, who plays Pat, uh, his bipolar, and then Tiffany, Jennifer Lawrence, hers is depression. His dad, they reference OCD, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not sure, but supposedly along those lines. It's weird, though, with his best friend, the dynamic there is his best friend doesn't necessarily, like, come across as actually having a mental illness, but it's like he's wrestling with his own stuff, but yet at the same time, he's like, but Pat, you know, you have your stuff, like, you're the crazy one, or he never directly says that, but it just shows, like, even if you don't have a mental illness, it's like he's still, like, suffering from his own just daily life, you know? Yeah.
1: And, and you know this movie is so much about the struggles that we all kind of go through um in different um in different ways that's um by the way that Ronnie his best friend John Ortiz really great great role for him um this movie is great in that it it's so funny and so heartwarming and romantic but uh so hard to watch and so horrifying and sad i mean he's just he really uh pulls the emotional strings david o russell in this movie to like the fullest i think
4: no he absolutely does i i don't even know like i think the first time i watched it i might have cried a little bit but the more i watch it like i don't ever really cry anymore i actually just really lean into it like Mm -hmm. i know certain scenes are supposed to be really intense but i think those are actually my favorite scenes i think it's the scenes that are quieter like So, for example, the scene where he's trying to find his wedding tape and he can't and it just escalates and escalates and escalates. And I know this is a little weird, but I find it how they did it was slightly humorous where it's intense, but you don't feel like so overwhelmed. It's Mm. really not until the next morning where it's that quiet peacefulness and like you see him mm-hmm. like looking at his medication and he's about to take it and the family is like dealing with like understanding like this big thing just happened and I think that's where you really feel the emotion is the next day it's like in the moment when it's happening it's just reaction 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 and like he's yeah. like I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry and he knows like something's wrong but they can't stop it and they can't stop it and then it's in that peacefulness and that quietness that it's like oh that was a really big moment that really hit and that's yeah. where I think where I I feel the most emotion from it, and that's where you're like, oh man, you know that feeling of the next day of like that shouldn't yeah. have happened, that shouldn't have yeah. happened.
1: No, absolutely. That's that's a really good point. I think David O. Russell is um, in a lot of his movies. He's really masterful at chaos and these really chaotic intense scenes. And I think the a, a really smart way to follow something like that is by making it super quiet, pulling it all back because like i found myself like breathing so intensely during those scenes it's a lot to handle um without getting into too many specifics there's a situation in in our sort of extended uh, personal life with my wife and i of someone that's been going through a really bad thing for the past year not covid related it's kind of sucks that it's corresponding with that because it's harder to get help and all that yeah uh but dealing with medication and all this stuff that we didn't really know much about until we were faced with having to deal with this and assist with this. Um, So I'm a crier. I'm an emotional guy. I was pretty wrecked watching a lot of this movie today. And a lot of the scenes before that didn't hit home um, were really hitting home. Um, That scene where they were talking about the medications at the dinner table, it was really funny. It's played for laughs. But then once you've been in around situations where people are medicated and medication can be great and save people's lives, but it's also a tricky road. And um, it that was a really tough scene for me to watch today.
4: Yeah. So actually about my personal life is I am bipolar. I was diagnosed a really? year and a half ago. Yeah. Oh, and my wow. mom was bipolar. So I grew up with a parent who was bipolar already. Uh-huh. And I knew I was bipolar all my life, but it was manageable with quotation uh-huh. marks around it. So but then I actually had um a psychotic episode because I was put on something I shouldn't have been put on. and I thought someone had poisoned my water and my food. and from uh-huh. that point it broke my brain to where like I had to get put on medication. And so for me, it's been, trying to figure out the right medications and like seeing the psychiatrist and therapist so when i see the scene of them talking about their medication i've had that conversation with my friends and i actually love it because it's like really nice just to be like able to talk about it openly without there being any judgment and then like seeing him like when he has these scenes of intensity like that's why i think i love this movie so much because i'm like that's what it's really like it's People mistake bipolar as like, oh, you're just super happy or you're super sad or you're whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, it's this intense emotions that you do have to find a strategy for because you feel things differently and you're going to react differently. And like, so that's one of the reasons like I really react to this movie. And when I watch it, I actually find a lot of peace with it because I'm like, yep, that's what it's like. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation.
1: Yeah. Holy cow. That's amazing. Wow.
4: Yeah. I love I love this movie up. so much. <laughs> Listen. I bet. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean it does put a real face on things and like I think too many times any sort of uh mental issues in movies are oh, it's just done wrong, you know. It's um It's either played for laughs in the wrong way or it's uh dramatized in the wrong way and I I don't have a lot of experience with uh with bipolar from friends and family on a very personal level. But I've studied it with Stuff You Should Know. We did an episode on it. And this always just struck me as a movie that kind of hit the right tone. It's like um, intense emotion uh, dealing like on a day-to-day basis with yourself.
4: Yeah. Yeah. When he talks about like white knuckling. manage that. Yeah. When he talks about white knuckling, I'm like, oh, yeah, buddy. I totally get it. Like
1: that shot of his hands when he's in the. The doctor's office, yeah,
4: and he's just like holding on for dear life, and sometimes yeah. that's what it feels like, and it's just like that's why again that one that's my favorite scene is the him looking for the, the video, and when he talks to psychiatrists, and psychiatrist is like, do you think that you did that because you're feeling this emotion, and this yeah. was your response to it, and you didn't know how to handle that feeling, you have to have a strategy, and I think that is like one of the clearest ways of showing what bipolar really is of being like, he wasn't like freaking out or he's not crazy. He just like had this intense emotional response because like he wasn't sure what was happening. And so that's what happened. And like, and then Tiffany with like her depression and everything, the way she handles things kind of the same thing. Like they both have their triggers and they're trying to figure things out.
1: Well, it's one of my favorite kinds of movies too. And two. And it can take many forms. It can be uh, a couple of nerd outcasts. It can be uh, a movie like this, like where two sort of misfits find each other, yeah, uh, and and fit together so well. It's just I love it more than anything as a as a sort of a movie plot.
4: And also they're just kind of great together, like
1: <laughs> the, chem- the chemistry is amazing.
4: Yeah, like the two of them are just absolutely phenomenal. But yeah, it is, and it's and it's different because it's like. They are misfits in a certain way, but they're not. They're both just trying to, like, find their way, like, find their own reality and the reality that everyone has created for them. You know, when she right. talks about, but we're not liars, but we're not liars. You're lying, yeah. but, you know, and it's like, that is the reality. And they're having to, you know, everyone else is saying, well, you're crazy or, you know, you're from the loony bin. And they're like, no, this is our reality. And, like, yeah. you, it just doesn't fit what your reality is. So Yeah,
1: and he even has that one great line toward the end when – um uh, and and I love movies too, where these sort of uh, <laughs> just odd people from different backgrounds all come together in this weird sort of group. And he's got you know his mom and his dad, then his brothers introduced, and then his doctor is hanging out with him, and he's got his kind of funny friend, and then Chris Tucker is there, who's just great in this movie, and uh, and and uh, Randy, you know the crazy you know friend that bets all the bets, and the but he guy. has that great line when he says. You know, maybe, and it kind of gets lost because it's another kind of semi chaotic scene. But he's like, maybe we're all the ones who see something. You know, maybe it's all of us that are onto something and you guys don't even know.
4: Yeah. No, that is a fantastic line because sometimes it like feels that way, but it is, that's such a good line. Ugh, sorry. I'm just like sitting with it because I'm like it. It again, all these things like hit home so hard.
1: I know David O. Russell is a big advocate for uh, for mental illness and does a lot of work with that. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what his background is or how it affects him personally in his life uh, or family or loved ones, but he clearly um, has made this movie for that reason.
4: Yeah, no, he definitely did. And uh, he actually did an interview with Nami. Nami is like one of the groups. Um, if you suffer from mental illness that you can mm-hmm. go to the groups. I actually tried one of their sessions, but the people who were going at the time when I went, were in a different category, like as far as like the help that they needed compared to like where I was. So, right. Um, but yeah, he actually did an interview with them, which I thought was really cool that he sat down and took that time. So yeah, yeah. no. And I really appreciate him making this movie, but I don't know. It's just like you have like this whole movie, which is about mental illness and everything else. But then you also have like the lightheartedness of it, like with Danny showing up, and, you know, interspersedly throughout the movie. Who like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> He's so good in this. He's, I wish he would do more roles like this.
4: Honestly, me too. But his whole thing about having the hairline and like.
3: Uh-huh.
4: <laughs> I was like. I was just like, dude, like I don't know. He cracks me up, but I love it because he's there just to show, like you know, like a friendship kind of thing. He's not there for uh-huh. any reason other reason than just being like he's like Bradley Cooper's friend in this, and like he just adds like this extra element. And I don't know, he just, he's he's one so of great. my he's one of my favorites, honestly.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful, and he um, I mean, a couple of scenes stand out with him. Obviously, the first one when he's just sort of. Uh, you know, breaks out of the the mental hospital and, and catches a ride and he's always sort of escaping and being brought back. But I love how the family and I've known households like this. I I lived in New Jersey for a little while after college. And I feel like this movie was a lot like those, you know, sort of suburban Philadelphia is basically New Jersey. Uh, And uh, I knew a lot of families like this where they just had an open door at their house and anyone's sort of welcome. And they had these sort of big crazy scenes with all these, you know, friend, kids' friends and neighbors and like, what's this guy do even doing here? Who is he? Like that kind of thing. But mom will still, you know, make everyone dinner, like, even if she doesn't know who all's there. And this movie, I just really love their household scene there. Um it, it's complicated, you know? Like that that very first scene with when he comes back with uh, De Niro, there's that's so well acted and there's so much in it that's not said, but you sort of get it like they love each other, but it's so fraught with layers and layers of complications, you know?
4: Yeah. And like, I noticed that like one of the first things you see is his pictures, you know,
1: but not on the wall
4: anymore. Yeah. And that automatically gives you an idea. But then when like De Niro was like, you okay, you okay? Like, you know, Uh Um, and then automatically leading into, you know, like, I'm glad you're back, all this other stuff. But I also think it hints at, How mental illness can also be like familial and Mm -hmm. like how family is like I kind of what I like about this is that the family didn't really gloss over it. They weren't really scared to talk about it like they addressed it. But at the same time, it was mildly taboo. And it's a weird line that they walked. And I'm not sure like how they did it, but they did a really good job where it was like, you know, we're here for you. We love you. You know, you, you have the support. But at the same time, it was still just kind of like, you know, but. You got to take your meds. Like you got to like. Right. You know. Are you got to go to things. therapy
1: if you're going to live with us? Like his mom was not having it. No, she was um, not having it. She's great, Jackie Weaver. I think she's. I think she's British.
4: She was a fantastic.
1: Yeah, they got nominated. I think, uh, for the first time since Reds in 1981. um... Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, all nominated from the same film. And I think Jennifer Lawrence is the only one who won, and she was great. I, I just wish... I would have loved to seen Bradley Cooper win. He was so phenomenal in this
4: movie. Honestly, he definitely deserved to win, especially the way his eyes were. He, like, nailed it. I love his yeah. eyes. Yeah, the the look in his eyes from beginning to end is just absolutely phenomenal. I just... I don't know. He should have won.
1: Yeah, that scene where he... uh maybe I'll look up and see who won that year. But, uh, when he, (laughs) the running motif is great with that fucking trash bag, but (laughs) when he is running to the high school and the, and it's, it's funny, but it's also just so heartbreaking that principal or the teacher, whoever that was, was just so scared. (laughs) And, you know, he goes to hug her and she's just like fucking frightened out of her life. Yeah. But he's so trying to tell her that he's okay. And he says, look at my eyes, look how clear they are. And, he's so upright then and i just i feel so bad that his past has followed him like this you know
4: yeah and and that's like i think an important statement though is like in at, in situations like this as people who are bipolar you know something happens they have the reactive you know not to the extent of like beating someone almost to death, but just in general, Mm -hmm. and then it gets stuck with them. And then all of a sudden they're like, Peg does, you're crazy, or you're this, or you're that. And people don't take the time to understand, like, no, it was this intense thing that happened and people are working through it. It's just, you know, it's not the same. And so I think that was a really good example of that where it's like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm okay. But she's like, oh dear, no. I mean, it was hilarious. Absolutely. But at the same time, like, it was a, like, it was a good way to show that without being too heavy.
1: Yeah, I think so. And so much of this movie is about those labels um, because Jennifer Lawrence is fighting her own label as, you know, the the former slut is what she called herself. Because she, uh, her husband died and she handled that in a way that she dove into bed with people um, seemingly randomly from her work. And I guess got fired for that. Is that?
4: Yeah, she got fired for it. Yeah, because she was like, I slept with everybody at work.
1: Yeah, but, you know, people do those things. Like uh, when you're suffering like that and she's in depression, I've heard about people doing those things. And that's not – that doesn't mean that's who they are, you know?
4: Exactly. And and that's another thing. And I think that's what was great with the two characters is um, Bradley Cooper's character saw that. And that way mm-hmm. the scene when – the guy came up to the door at her parents' house, and he was like, yeah. you know, with the broken great. wing." Yeah, he's like, "With the broken wing, he you was know." I so think sweet. she's on the. Men. It was so sweet. <laughs> and the guy, yeah, she's like she's
1: healing right now. You got to let her heal. <laughs> he kind of strong arms him though. It's great. He's like, "I'm going to walk you back down here." Yeah,
4: just the way he talks though. Sometimes in this movie, it's just like this direct. Like, no, this is what we're doing. Like, come on, like, yeah, that yeah, no, that <laughs> <laughs> no filter, and, and you know. And then of course she comes like running after him and. I can't help but I love her jacket. The entire movie, I just wish I had that jacket. But like uh-huh. she yeah, she like throws on her jacket and like her tennis shoes. And I was like, OK, here's this thing. Um, but yeah, but when he does that, I don't know. It's he's absolutely fantastic. But the way people handle things, it's always going to be different for everyone. But people do have mm-hmm. to remember that that's not who they are. And that's I think that's what gets lost a lot with mental illness, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. It's very
1: easy to label somebody and uh, even if you're not saying the words to just sort of put someone in a box in your head. And I think this movie did a really good job at showing the different layers that people have no matter what their deal is.
4: Yeah. And also like people like falling back, like that's another thing is when people create coping mechanisms that aren't healthy or in general, just coping mechanisms and something happens and it puts them out, then they tend to fall uh-huh. back. Like... I won't, you know, give it all away, but when she sees something she doesn't want to see at the end and she gets her feelings hurt and so she goes back into, like, you know, I guess what she would call like the slut mode of like yeah. going to the bar and grabbing a drink and automatically talking to the guy, yeah. you know, it's like she fall, immediately fell back on that coping mechanism until Cooper comes up to her and is like, Hey, we got to do this thing. And she's like, I think you're the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And he's like, well, good I for know. you. And like, let's go. <laughs> and just completely won't let her do it. He's like, "We're," not, he's like, Nope, we're not doing that.
1: Yeah. And he has this thing where it's, um, he has the former, or I guess still wife. They're not divorced yet, but, Uh, Nikki, and it's, it's one of those, and I've seen it in other movies, and I think it's pretty effective is when it's, it's the idea of her more than her. Uh, And she represents this thing. She's a symbol in his life um, of, of, if I can just get back to that. Uh, And that's who she represents to him. And, you know, I think the movie does a good job of sort of teasing that out to the very, very end. Uh, It's, it's a wonderful surprise, and we'll talk about the end, you know, later at more at length. But it's, um, I I thought even watching it today, it's been a, quite a few years since I've seen it. I was like, what happens there with Nikki at the dance? I don't even remember. And he did the the lost in translation move, you know, you whisper, you don't know. I love that.
4: Yeah, no, it was absolutely honestly the first time I saw it, I had the same idea. You know, I've seen it so many times now, like I know what's going to happen, but it huh. is one that kind of caught me. I feel like. I'm at a point now where I can normally guess the ending of things. So when something Uh catches me off guard, yeah, because there's like only so many stories. So when something catches me off guard, I'm always like, heck, yeah, you did it. And this movie is one of those that did it for me.
2: Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. The Hyundai Santa Fe becomes available early 2024, so get on it now before all the good camping sites are full. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
3: This is Amy Brown from 4 Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen.
1: Um, I also another favorite thing that uh, I've seen David O. Russell do before and in other films, I think it's just a kind of a more clever way of telling a story is um, like you don't get his actual diagnosis until about 15 minutes into the movie uh, in that first meeting with his doctor. And you don't like things are told out of order, you know, something's going on, you get the diagnosis later, you know, something happened with his wife. Uh, like the incident, and then that's paid off a little bit later. And I think dropping things in there in sort of a non-linear way, like these plot points, instead of sort of the tired way of like at the beginning of the movie we tell you sort of everything you need to know in the first seven minutes.
4: Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I actually didn't really think about that too much. I just remember like watching it for the first time and seeing he's in that institution and then everything else. And then next thing I know, but yeah, you're right. They do take their time with unfolding. It's bit by bit. And even like, you know, with Tiffany's husband and other things like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. With pieces are just dropped throughout. So you don't really know everything. I like that a lot. I prefer it when stories do that rather than just giving you everything. Cause if you give you everything, then kind of what's the point to keep going. You're like, all right, well I know what's happening.
1: Yeah. And there's something, you know, uh, You don't find out until probably the three-quarter point what happened to her husband and how he actually died, even though he asks her (laughs) that dinner scene... That dinner scene is so great, where he first meets her, their first meeting, and like how they're talking to each other, <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah. I love it.
4: Uh, that no, and then she's like, "You're gonna walk me home or what?" <laughs> and he's right. like, "What?" And he's she's like so awesome. confused, and he's just like, "Wait, I don't know what's <laughs> happening." But it's also funny because what is it, Julia Childs? Uh, is that her?
1: Ju- uh, no, not Childs. The cook. Yeah, Julia Styles. Julia
4: Styles. <laughs> okay, Julia Styles. She plays. I hate her character. I know. She, I mean, that's, very hateable. that's the whole point. But, like, I never thought I could hate someone as much as I hate her. Like, the whole way that she has, like, with her sister and, like, everyone else, yeah. she's just horrendous. And, like, I don't know, her showing off her house and, like, the whole, uh, um, oh God,
1: the iPod stuff, the <laughs> ports.
4: Yeah, so obnoxious. And, and, she, and how Tiffany is like, but we're in the bathroom. <laughs> like, why are you going to show yeah. us the iPod port yeah. in the bathroom? <laughs> and then the whole, uh, what was the other one? The, like the, um, uh, fireplace. And I was just like, this is yeah, just yeah. ridiculous.
1: <laughs> that scene was really funny though. She's like, oh, it's uh, one of those things at the morgue that you slide the body in. He's like, how would you even get a body in there? <laughs>
4: <laughs> She's like, it's a joke. <laughs>
1: uh, I love his doctor so much. Um, What's his name here? Uh, Anupam Kerr plays Doctor Patel, and uh, it's just so wonderful how he kind of and completely inappropriately kind of you know joins his personal gang. Oh yeah,
4: that was definitely inappropriate, but at the same time, I can't help but I loved it. I absolutely I loved it.
1: <laughs> and the, the eagle stuff, like I'm I'm a football guy, so so often movies really portray sports and football. And fandom really unrealistically, and and he just nailed he just nailed it in this movie i think
4: really see oh yeah i grew up and my whole family was super into football like christmas day like the whole family sat down and watched it and i hated it Uh i was so bored and i swore up and down i would never end up with someone who liked football and then i actually started playing flag football last year before covid
1: oh really (laughs) is it fun
4: it is so much fun i actually finally (laughs) understand like why people like football
1: Well, you know, I, I'm the sort of football fan who's not um, – I'm not wearing jerseys and painting my face and stuff like that. But um, it's a, It's interesting that sports, I think – I think people that aren't into it don't understand that it can be the great uniter. Uh, like I've always said, like you'll never see uh, racial and political harmony like you will at a Falcons game mm. where you've got some – Clearly distant Georgia, sort of white redneck with his jersey on, like jumping up and down and hugging, you know, the black guy from the inner city of Atlanta with his jersey on and high fiving and like politics go out the door and race and socioeconomics for a few hours. Uh, and it's pretty nice scene to be in. That's why it, the tailgating scene when those guys, the racist guys uh, attacked the, the guys with the the Uh, Indian guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess that happened some. This is Philly, so (laughs) you never know. But it's not usually how it is. Usually people come together for their team, and it's kind of a beautiful thing.
4: Yeah. Yeah, that scene actually, like, those guys rewatching it, I got I think I even got angrier than I did the first time like I was angry the first time but especially bad men bad men also because like (laughs) I love doctor (laughs) the doctor like he's one of my favorite people and I'm like what are you doing like stop it yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think also seeing him like go um go to Pat's house and seeing the family I feel like from his perspective I was like wondering what was going on in his head if he was like ah I finally understand like seeing how his family acted and everything I don't know yeah yeah
1: no, that's true. I mean, I guess it's super inappropriate, but so it's inappropriate. insightful.
4: Yeah. Insightful, but it's <laughs> so inappropriate. But you know what? It's it's a movie.
1: <laughs> uh, and Jennifer Lawrence is just, I mean, she's a great actor, but she's so easy to kind of crush on because she's, she's beautiful. And just even when you sort of know about her personal life, she just seems like she gives no fucks. She's real. Um, she says what she wants. And like, just has a lot of attractive qualities as a human, I think. And they come through in this movie.
4: Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like you're describing her character in the movie. <laughs> it sort of <laughs> yeah, it is. It kind I mean, of she is, She plays yeah.
1: sort of a Jennifer Lawrence type, It's it feels like.
4: No, she definitely does. I don't know. Like, especially the scene in the diner. It really came through.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. But that talk- scene was awesome.
4: That scene was awesome. However, how that escalated was definitely difficult. I think that was another yeah. one of those, like, how I'm dealing with something is not how I actually am. And that's why she checked herself. When the cop, yeah, and
1: then you know after that when she starts screaming that you're assaulting me, and like I think instantly when that cop shows up realizes what she's done, and then saves him Mm -hmm. and calms him down with the breathing. Like again, that's another sort of David O. Russell chaos uh, sequence played out ending in that really calming way. It's really interesting.
4: Yeah. And they also do like interesting camera work too, whenever he's kind of going through that, like the, like yeah. the kind of almost like a fishbowl kind of effects, I think is totally. what it was. Yeah. Just to kind of give you an idea. And I'm like, whenever you do kind of go into those trigger modes, like that was, you know, it can look like that sometimes. Like you're like, wait, what's happening. So yeah. Yeah.
1: The handheld camera, like he brings a lot of energy to those scenes, just in a filmmaking sense. Um, I have here one of my favorite lines, too, from their first meetings when she's, uh, you know, they're kind of trying to out crazy each other or or (laughs) not out crazy each other, make the other one seem like they're crazier than them. Yeah. And she goes, you say more inappropriate things than appropriate things. You scare people. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. And he does, you know, but it's like you just want them to be okay. You want them to. You know, that, that, that's why the end, that shot of them in the chair together is so beautiful, but it's also just like, you know what a complicated, tough path there is ahead of them.
4: Oh yeah. And I think that's the thing is like, this movie really wasn't about, you know, the big finale scene, right? Like Mm -hmm. with a dance off or anything. And it wasn't, that's not what it was about. It was about like showing this complication in general. And then yes, they found peace. But like, you know, it's not done, you know, and like, but that's okay. And they both understand it. I think it's about really coming to understanding the other person and where they're coming mm-hmm. from rather than seeing just like, oh, the mental illness and, you know, these people are crazy or you're just out of the loony bin. It's more of like, yeah. hey, I see you and I see who you really are, including like this, you know, thing that you have to deal with because that's what you have to deal with, um, which is why. I like, feel like that's,
1: that's all, all people, people want.
4: want. Yeah, no, definitely. And I also feel like. You know, that's, and one of my favorite lines is at the very, you know at the very end when he goes, you know, the world will break your heart 10, you know, 10 ways from Sunday. And it's like, it's so true. And he's like, I think in that moment, he's kind of telling you, it's like, yeah, this is like a nice peaceful moment, but this isn't, this isn't it. Like, there's going to be more things that are going to happen. But I think it's just like, we're all kind of looking for that moment of peace of like, you know, it's just a regular day for them. It's not, there wasn't anything major happening. There wasn't anything, whatever. They're just, you know, chilling, hanging around, like, and you know, the two of them in the chair, they're just having a moment, and that's it's beautiful. Like they just found that moment of peace and all the chaos that they have to deal with.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a hopeful moment. It doesn't come across to me as, um, you know, these people are both mentally ill, but that's been solved because of love.
4: Yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely not solved.
1: But Hollywood does that. And, and I think David O. Russell was smart enough to give you this really sweet, hopeful thing. Um, but you, you know that it's going to be tough for them. And, Uh, you know, where are these people in 10 years? I want to say they're together and have a couple of kids and their life is a roller coaster, you know?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Because like, what's that movie? It's kind of a funny story, which was also a book that became a movie about the kid going into the mental hospital. Do you know that one? Yeah.
1: I've heard of it. Who's in that?
4: Um, Zach Galifianakis is in it. A oh, bit more serious. I did
1: not see that. Was that good?
4: Honestly, it was good. I actually went back and read the book after that one, um, and it was pretty on par. But that's one of the ones where Hollywood kind of like was like, "Oh, hey, you know, uh-huh. you, you solved it a little bit, you know, um, right? Yeah." But I that one that one deals with a uh, slightly other things than this one does. But yeah, that one is more of a example of like, "Oh, now this is solved." But not this movie. This movie stands separate. I would recommend going back and watching that, though. I'll probably go back and rewatch it now, too.
1: (laughs) Now that I see it, I I recognize it. Um, I think we should talk about the music for a sec, too, because, boy, the music in it is great. The score is really, really lovely. Like, I really love that score that's kind of just throughout. out. But um, one of my favorite cues is when it's actually right after... The diner date, uh, with the with the raisin brand and the tea, <laughs> uh, which is so funny. Uh and then they have the big blow up in front of the movie theater, she calms them down, and then you get that uh Led Zeppelin cue. And then I think what follows is the the scene at home, the really rough scene. When that song just sort of starts to build and it's just the a perfect use of music, I think.
4: Yeah, no, and that's another thing. So music never gets really heavy or really um you know, it's like super angsty rock or anything. It always like, they kind of let the scene speak for themselves, but let the music build underneath. And then how they'll like also go into this kind of dead silence afterward. Like they'll hit this point and they'll just cut it off immediately. And it's just a way to like make you focus on whatever is happening. And I noticed that happened a few different times throughout, but I loved it. And I loved, like, the music that they danced to, how they used that music from the West Side Story. And, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the White Stripes?
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their dance was just
1: ridiculous and great. Like, that's when the movie really... Like, I was, I loved the movie anyway, um, up until that point. But when the dance stuff starts in earnest, when he meets her over at the studio, uh, it just... It really, like, kind of ramps it up to the next level, I think, of lovable. And it gives them something to focus on it brings them together uh and i think it it makes it all the better that they're neither one of them are very good dancers
4: <laughs> no they're not um no are okay but you know yeah they're okay i actually read up and it turned out that they did a, they actually did the final dance scene first when filming and so they actually oh, did wow. yeah so they did all the learning how to dance dance scenes after Uh they had learned how to dance and that was actually harder for them to pretend to be bad at it because at that point they had already like learned all the steps and so they're like wait what and so they had to go back and like figure that out
1: yeah yeah and when Chris Tucker comes over
4: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah and he's like friend with a capital F
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and he goes put a little black in it he's what do you even mean he's like you know damn well what I mean He's just so great. Every time he comes on the scene, it's like, I just wanted more Chris Tucker in this movie.
4: Honestly, yeah. He was phenomenal. I loved him so much.
1: Um, the, I mean, let's talk about sort of the ending. They, they, this, the third act is so great and it kind of all coalesces with this uh, parlay bet on the football game. Ooh, and now there's out. actually money on the dance <laughs> competition, which is just, you know, unbelievable. <laughs>
4: That stressed me out so bad. Like, I, like, it's one of those, like, I can't ever, I can't ever stop. Like, every time I watch them, like, oh, y'all are like, y'all are stressing me. But, like,
1: (laughs) it is super stressful because they're not good dancers. And, they, and, and I love when they were working out, like, what the score was going to be. And Brad Cooper's just like, we'll be lucky if we get a five. And she's like, we could definitely get a five. <laughs> like, they're both in such different places in their, like, kind of reality or confidence level about their dance.
4: Yeah. But I love how she's the one who comes in and is just like, let me tell you, actually, how well, like, the Eagles are doing every time we hang That's out. That's one of
1: my favorite parts of the movie. Oh, yeah.
4: And it just, like, shuts De Niro down. He goes, okay, I like you. Like, yeah. <laughs> he changes his attitude about her. Is like, all right. Oh.
1: I love that scene so much. And
4: then, and then also, like, turn it turns out like the mother actually had a hand in everything with them, like, meeting. Yeah. I was like, whoa, okay, like that really changed everything. So, but yeah, that, um, that third act right before leading up, uh, to them dancing, it was, it was so much. I don't even know. And then him, like, recognizing about the letter, that was a big one, too.
1: Yeah, the letter. So she has ended up being the one who wrote the letter from Nikki. Uh, the The way they played out at the end was just so beautiful. He knew that. He knew it for a week. He 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 goes after. Her. I mean, that's a such a movie trope, you know, to to run after the girl at the end. But it's a trope for a reason. It's because that's what people want to see. And this is one of the great all-time go-get-the-girl moments in movies.
4: Well, I also think it works, too, because, you know, towards the beginning when he was running, she was running after him. And so now, yeah. you know, and so now it switches It's he he ran after her. So, uh, yeah, I really I think about that. Yeah, I really feel like th- there's uh, more fairness to that scene in, in that aspect. But I I don't like so with bipolar, you have manic episodes and depressive episodes, right? Mm-hmm. And manic aren't always fun, some, but it is like when they show like the sleeplessness and his paranoia and, you know, these unfiltered, you know, thoughts coming out of his mouth and all these things mm-hmm. like that's typically manic. And so if you notice, like the first uh, two thirds of the movie is like these really kind of high intensity th- scenes like what's happening like yeah. yeah you have these down parts to show what happened but it's always like something happens and like it intensifies he goes i'm sorry i'm sorry and then like you have the down like show he recognizes like oh man like i shouldn't have done that or you know same for her but the moment about the letter which is i think like you know the last act like we're talking about if you notice this quietness comes over him and it feels like i'm not sure if This is what they're trying to do. But to me, it feels like him finally coming out of a manic episode where this fixation of, like, trying to reach this point and he's realizing, wait, I just need to let this go. And -hmm. that fixation, like, dissipates. And now it's him being able to move forward and it kind of brings him out of the manic episode. And as someone who's been in manic episodes, like, sometimes that's what it takes. Like, when you come out of it, it's like you're able to move forward. Yeah, because, like— Sometimes I have fixation and I just can't let something go and it causes uh-huh. me lots of stress and stuff. But when I finally can, I start to feel better and, like, I can come out of it. Um, and, of course, like, medication helps. But, yeah, but it's like he's coming out of it and he's kind of coming more into, like, a balance of, like, where he's at with the illness. And I notice that kind of softness till the end of the movie. And, like, that's kind of the same note that they end on is, like, this balance rather than this, like, high intensive energy. And I just thought yeah. that was really, really nice. Yeah. Um, Way just to kind of like bring it up here and just bring it down. And again, I don't know if they did that on purpose, but that's something I felt from it.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I'm sure it was on purpose. Um, that that last shot, I mean, and not the last shot of the movie, but when he catches up to her, that, that wonderful, beautiful Christmas street. And uh, the camera spinning around them when they have that great, great, great first kiss finally. Uh And he reads, says his letter out loud. It's just, I can't even take it. I'm about to cry right now. And then he does something really interesting with a camera there. That that camera car just fucking hauls ass away from them down the street. And it's a really unusual camera move for that kind of thing. Like you would expect like this beautiful crane shot sort of lifting away up into the heavens or something like that. And it's just a a camera on the back of a uh, camera car just peeling out of there. Uh, I'd never seen that kind of used that way. I thought it really worked, though.
4: Oh, no, it definitely worked. I never actually really thought about that. I guess to me it was just like, okay, this happened, and now, like, we're going to move forward to, like, what's next.
1: I think that's probably what it symbolized.
4: Yeah, yeah. Hitting the gas. Yeah, we're like, all right, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're out of here. We're done.
1: (laughs) Uh, I also really love the moment when the free dance uh finale when they're walking through the place holding hands <laughs> and he goes wait, wait what is this he goes what you're doing and i'm not doing it i thought you were doing it they just like found themselves holding hands and are blaming each other for it i just thought that was adorable
4: it's so cute they're so cute i also like how her jacket's just a little too big yeah yeah like she it doesn't quite fit her and i'm just like this is awesome
1: yeah, and the clumsiness of the dance when they try the big move. And she just, okay. you know, he ends up face to cry. I
4: still I still can't watch that. Honestly, to this day when that scene comes on, I still have to like cover my face because I get secondhand embarrassment so bad. I'm just like, oh, I can't. Really? Hand, yeah, I know. I'm That's one of those people. Trigger. It's a big one. I'm just like, I can't do it. I'm
1: it's so pretty sad. bad. The way they handled it, it was so funny because they were kind of like, we're meaning to do this a little bit. And everyone was like, what are they doing? What an interesting <laughs> move. And them crawling around on the floor at each other—it's just—it's one I'm going to learn that whole routine with my wife. We're going to do that one day.
4: That's what you—that's what you guys should do for Halloween next year and dress up sure. and then do that routine. Yeah, or this year we're in 2021 now. I keep forgetting. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. What year is it even? Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of Halloween, I do love how I love when movies are sort of framed by uh, non-obviously by holidays and, and it has Halloween in here and then very purposefully Christmas later. And so you just sort of. You know what you're dealing with. You know, you know, you're dealing with a few months here, a couple of months, basically.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, in between all of that is all them practicing at her place and stuff. I loved one of my favorite shots was kind of the quietness before the dance where they showed, like, the outside of her garage. But there was, like, this still scene of, like, the inside of her garage with the dance floor and her shoes. And just, like, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's some of my favorite shots in there. I'm just, like, it just feels, like, very peaceful before everything yeah. happens. You know, I don't know. Yeah,
1: sometimes, like, the small moments like that in movies like this enrich it so much. You know, a shot of an empty dance studio, like, it can be very impactful. I love that about movies.
4: Yeah. No, and they definitely did a good job with that here. So, and, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh,
1: and then, you know, they, they end in a very wonderfully romantic way. The, that house full of... With that voiceover on a Sunday afternoon, with the Eagles on, and the and the doctor is there, and then Chris Tucker is there getting finding out how to make the Krabby snacks and homemades, which like my wife and I said that for for like a year (laughs) afterwards.
4: I love that she makes the Krabby snacks. Like every time I hear it, I think of SpongeBob SquarePants, like Krabby Patties. But she, she, every scene she's always talking about her Krabby snacks.
1: Well, and it's funny because like. I said earlier about the, the sort of misfits who find each other and 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 Brad and Jennifer, but at the end there, they're they're all kind of the misfits together, I feel like. Yeah. Um, you know, they've 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 all got their issues, they've all got their struggles, and they're all all together and not in a way that's like I said, like it's solved, it's perfect, we're all great now. But it's like, nah, but we got each other, you know? We got each other's backs.
4: Yeah. And it's just like you feel I feel, like, full and warm when I watch it. Like, I am I always yeah. come to the end and I'm like, I feel really full and I love that feeling. I feel like that's a house full of love and warmth and, like, I totally. don't know, that's totally what I want to feel when I finish this movie, you know? And yeah. then you always just end on that good note. And it wasn't, like, this completion, like we talked about, of, like, oh, everything's okay, but it's just, like, they found the love and the warmth amidst everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just so gorgeous. What a great movie. It's been a while since I've seen it and I saw it, I think, at least two times kind of back then uh, and I was when you picked it I was like oh fuck yeah I haven't seen this movie in a while yes yeah I, I was like so I don't much. know
4: if he likes this movie but I want to watch it because it turns out we have a mutual friend in common so I don't know if Clay told you to tell you I said hi Clay Miller yeah
1: oh no way how do you know Clay
4: Um, he's my bartender <laughs> He's, oh. Yeah, he's, he's my bartender okay. at one of the place. Yeah, at one of the places I go to, and so he was like, "Oh, I saw you as a mutual friend." And Chuck and I in was Cabbage like, "In Cabbage Town, yeah, in Cabbage Town, at Milltown." And, okay. Yeah, and he said that he had recommended you a movie, and you're like, "Nope." And I was like, "Okay, well, I don't know what that movie is either." So
1: <laughs> that's so funny. I went camping with Clay like three weeks ago. That's
4: what he's. he It was just after y'all went camping.
1: Ah, uh, that's great. He's Clay, and I went to college together. I'm sure you know all this, but um,
4: that's what he told for, me for
1: listeners. Uh, he's a photographer. He's a actually a, he's a great photographer. He's a, a pet photographer. And uh, I need to send you, the, I'll send you the pictures he took of my dogs. They're amazing. Please
4: do. I did not know he was a photographer. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Clay's great. Um, bartender, photographer. Uh, actually, it's photographer, bartender. But, um, <laughs> yeah. He's one of my old best friends. It's funny. All the, all my friends from college almost ended up moving within like two or three miles from each other in Atlanta and not even on purpose. We just sort of are magnets to each other. And I think, uh, you know, Clay lives over in Kirkwood. I live about a mile and halfway in East Lake. I see him walking his dog all the time. He's the one that had the dog, bro.
4: Oh, oh, I know. <laughs> oh, got <laughs> That's you. That's so funny. Well, Atlanta's like a small, big town. So like, yeah, yeah it's it's definitely one of those. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought it was really cool. Okay. I'm going to have to bring up about his dog, bro, then be like, show me pictures.
1: Yeah. Bro is not with us anymore. It's very sad. Oh, no. Uh, but he's got his great new uh, Doberman buddy who is just a big 100-pound Doberman who, like, looks scary as hell, but he's the biggest sweetheart. He came camping with us. Aw, that's
4: and sweet. It was great.
1: I got to hang out with Buddy. <laughs> well, that's so cool. Um, by the way, did you ever, were you ever in the office when Bradley Cooper came in at all?
4: I was not, and I'm so upset. I, like, I, missed, wasn't either. I missed it by, like, this much. And I like, to this day, I'm just like, what the heck? And isn't it, like, an ongoing joke that, like, one of our bosses is best friends with him? Or he is well, best friends. Well,
1: it's not a joke it's real like that's why he was there uh i mean i've talked about it before but our boss the head cheese connell um is his best friend from college
4: that's ridiculous like, best
1: man at his wedding and it was funny i was driving uh this is like three or four years ago Oh, actually it was longer than that because it wasn't long after this movie um i was about a mile away from my house driving home and i passed somebody jogging and i went to emily i was like that was fucking brad cooper she was like, like no, no it wasn't was it? i went oh it is because like i know how he, jogs. <laughs> <laughs> no, how he <laughs> jogs we just saw that movie he wasn't wearing a plastic bag but i was like that was totally brad cooper and i said i guarantee you he's he's here with connell and i texted connell, was like is brad in town staying at your house and he went yes and i went <laughs> i just saw him jogging and he went yep <laughs>
4: So does he jog with a plastic bag or what? In real, no. Okay. There was
1: no plastic bag, but he ask. had that same gait and that same goddamn handsome face. Oh, he's uh, so handsome. I haven't met him either. Connell's always like, oh, "Brad's cool." Like, we'll have to bring him by next time he's in town, and and then it, he comes in town and he does it. And I'm like a schoolgirl. I'm like, "Well, why didn't you bring Brad by?" <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet him.
4: <laughs> oh, well, if it makes you feel any better. That's how some people are when they find out I work with you. They're like, "Wait, Chuck?" And I'm like, "At um, least." Like, Please, I'm <laughs> no I
1: know Brad Cooper. Did. He's amazing. He's so talented. I just think like when you're when you're wrapped up in like a handsome package like that, it's hard to. I mean, trust me, I don't feel sorry for the guy or anyone <laughs> yes. who is superlatively attractive. But, you know, he's more than a pretty face. Yeah. I thought A Star Wars Born was amazing. And I think he's got great director chops and writer chops and acting chops and, uh, you know, I think I'm in love.
4: <laughs> if you're listening to this, Bradley. <laughs> I know. Just stop,
1: stop by. Yeah,
4: just, swing just by. jog by. Again. <laughs> Six feet.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: well, Miranda, this was so much fun. It's great to get to know you better. It's funny. I saw you yesterday. Um, you're the one of the only humans outside of my family I've seen in person in weeks oh so. wow
0: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs>
1: I, I, I w- recorded yesterday and you were in there so it was yeah nice to see I your had face. to swing
4: by actually I ended up not getting my internet set up so I had to watch the movie on my phone last night at home because oh. yeah I know I know I was like this is fine it's whatever but,
1: well you'd seen it so many times I guess yeah
4: it's okay it's okay
1: I bet that last shot looked great on your phone <laughs> 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 well this was great uh, I'd love to have you back sometime absolutely I think, uh, I would love to consider you sort of a rotating cast member.
4: No, I would love that. I had such a good time, especially like, you know, thank you so much for willing to talk about one of my absolute favorite movies in the world.
1: Of course. It's wonderful. I'm sure everyone has seen it. I think this will be a big favorite because people really love this movie. Yeah. Uh, and those those episodes always go over really well. Yeah. So thank you for coming on. All
4: right.
0: Well, thanks for having me.
1: All right. Bye.
0: Bye. Movie Crash is produced and written by Charles Bryant and Noel Brown, edited and engineered by Seth Nicholas Johnson, and scored by Noel Brown here in our home studio at Poncity Market, Atlanta, Georgia, for iHeartRadio.
1: For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: This is Holly Fry from
1: Stuff You Missed in History class. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.
0: Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist
1: History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need,